Power Pack Morning Zoo. Are you kidding me? It's the greatest radio show ever. Good morning and welcome. Dan Mickley. He's a very successful writer. Vince Morata. Let's cut the crap, Mr. Morata. Sarah Gazelle. She's got a job working with a bunch of wackos. And Jerry Carlin. Why do you know how funny you are? Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Good morning, Valley sports fans. Happy Friday. Together, we have made it to the end of another long week, another month on the journey of our lives. Don't worry, folks. It'll soon be over. 2024 is... uh one sixth of the way. Down. Yeah, is that true? Yes, yeah. we are now into March. Oof, fun, right? Yeah, March is a good month, though. That March is, is a great good. sports March month. Madness, Ides of March, spring training, in like a lion, out like a lamb, right? That too. I mean, in other parts of the country, but not so much here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, in like true. a lion, out like a lion. Um, can I can I uh, bring something up today that I mentioned yesterday? Uh, sure. Let me ask a, a leading question to you. All right. We're all sports fans, obviously. Mm-hmm. We all attend very many sporting events. Should there be a requirement for national anthem singers to be good before they <laughs> perform? So I mentioned this this oh. viral mm-hmm. video of the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an eight-year-old girl named Kinsley Murray who apparently just travels around the country singing national anthems. All right. Uh, the national anthem at sporting events. She did it at a Pacers game earlier this week, and it got the attention of the Internet. Now, I can't obviously share the visuals with you, but this is eight-year-old Kinsley Murray decked out basically in an American flag dress with stars and all yeah, the headdress. Right. And uh, she, I mean, she was into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is what it sounded like. Oh, say can you see I gotta get to some of the good parts. Here we go. Oh, leaning, leaning into that sour note, isn't she? Wow. So people reacted to it, and it seems like. You're being treated as a bully if you criticize this. I'm not criticizing her. I'm criticizing the parents. I'm criticizing the Pacers. <laughs> the Pacers put out a post that said this this anthem performance was unmatched. I'll agree with that. It's, it doesn't what, seem like it's they, almost abuse. They, they, they said it was unmatched in terms of being good? That's they, what they said? They, they didn't say. Okay. The outfit, the the uh, the passion, they said this anthem uh, performance was unmatched. They're oh, just keeping okay. it nice and vague. Keeping it nice so they don't dog an eight-year-old on the internet. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Which Oof. you don't want to do. But yeah, you're you don't right. don't want to no, do it, but, but if, if, if your eight-year-old wants to sing national anthems... And you're going to support your kids' dreams. Mm-hmm. Are you? And they sound like that. Are you really going to put them out there? Or are you going to like maybe hone their skills a little? Maybe bit? Maybe it was a slightly off I, night. I, uh, wow. She, cle- she clearly has the bravado to do it. Yes. So maybe I love your confidence, right. girl. So right. maybe it definitely has. But that. Is, is there a rule though that that it has to be done at a certain talent level? I mean, if you're giving oh. a child a shot, I, I don't uh, know. We've I, all lived well, through this with celebrity singers. Yeah. But I know people but, who have who have sung a- uh, anthems before at like minor league sporting events. They had to audition first. Yes. So well, is that? 
that doesn't not everybody the case? generally know it, that rendition? By I mean, the way, a tape has to come in two minutes and six seconds. Yeah. It's it's very it's Take very that, it's very possible that it's very possible she was on key on her audition tape right. and when she got out there maybe the moment uh, just maybe she just couldn't find uh-huh. her voice she did it at a college game the next night it was sounded, just as bad sounded pretty much the same so that's so then that's the bit the young girl dressed up like you know she was Statue of Liberty's daughter if the Statue of Liberty had a daughter it would look like her look yes if that, and, and 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 it's just the hood spa that becomes exactly the thing? The, it's the performance. Rather than the actual, so then the parents key. are trotting her out there solely with the goal of basically her becoming a laughing stock. Or she uh, give I, it? Maybe they? I don't know. She loves it. Maybe she loves it for the last. Yeah. Okay. And they're and they're no, no, listen because I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this. This is kind of really personal to me because my daughter, the beloved Skylar Bickley, when she was really young, when she was around that age, she was the type that would sing in just start singing. Like and people would like think it was the cutest thing, and she wasn't a great singer by any means, but she had that chutzpah, right? And everybody thought that was what was cute was the fact that, that she had is. this incredible okay. personnel. Now she has gone into a shell like you wouldn't believe. She she's so self aware and embarrassed of her former self, uh-huh. and it's and it all happened organically. We never pushed her to sing in public. We never said go be this person. Yeah. But at some point in time, she liked that. I don't know. I I've got I got mixed thoughts on that. But, you said it yourself. She used to sing in public all the time. People thought it was cute. I would think that's cute mm-hmm. for somebody singing in public like that, but not right. public not, in front of 18,000 people right. before, not, before, not a, before, not before a, basketball a basketball game. game. And that's you tough. recognize that she didn't sound good and it was cute. If she said, Dad, I want to sing the national anthem at the Suns game, you'd be like, you know what, hon? Yeah, I, I, I would head that off. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. I would. Yes. As you pointed out, though, they don't Maybe just I'm give the these, they don't just no, give no, these to no, anybody. I gotcha. So there I gotcha. must have been... At some point in some audition that she did well enough that they keep putting her on. I don't know. Unless every one of these places just wants to go viral. Completely unrelated. Jarrett, have you ever thought about singing the national anthem at a sporting event? I've thought of it, yes. But have you really? I would, no. I would say don't do it, Jarrett. It's the hard, it, even the greatest singers say it's the hardest song to sing. It is. Okay. It is a very hard song to sing, and I appreciate that too. But All right. Oof, my ears. All right, well, it is Friday. Start the show, Ferret. Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Sun's back after a three-day break hosting the Rockets at Footprint Center. It looked more like they hadn't played in three years on many fronts, but uh, they were still able to squeeze out a 110-105 win. Devin Booker exploded for 20 points in the first quarter. He hit all four of his threes as the Suns built a 16-point lead after 12 minutes. And it's a good thing Book did that because the Suns were lethargic the rest of the way, getting outscored by 11 over the last three quarters. Booker finished with 35. KD had 24. Yusuf Nurkic, 16 points, 13 rebounds. Suns pushed their record to 35-24. and 24. Guess what? Same two teams in the building tomorrow night. Also, the night Amari Stoudemire becomes the 12th player and 16th member of the Phoenix Suns Ring of Honor in a halftime ceremony. Stoudemire, a first-round uh, draft pick of the Suns in 2002, of course, spent his first eight years of his NBA career here in Phoenix. We'll have a lot on that game today.
Uh, NBA last night, Denver topped Miami 103-97. The Lakers needed overtime to beat Washington 134-131. Davis and James combined for 71. The Wizards, by the way, have now lost 13 in a row. And at 9-50, congratulations, the new worst record in basketball. The, the Pistons are off the hook. Golden State keeps on winning, this time a 110-99 win over the Knicks. Steph Curry hit eight threes and had 31 points for the Warriors. They're 12-3 and three in their last 15 games. And the Sur- Spurs surprised Oklahoma City 132-118. Victor Wenbanyama went off for 28 points, 13 rebounds, and added seven assists and five block shots. Uh, for the Arizona Coyotes, the streak continues. Losing is a disease as contagious as polio. It is. Uh, is it still a skid? If it's 14 straight games, there's something worse than skid, isn't there? Uh, crash? The yeah. Yotes dropped a 4-2. Skid mark. <laughs> <laughs> they dropped a 4-2 decision to the Maple Leafs north of the border. Austin Matthews' 53rd goal of the year extended the uh, Toronto lead to 3-0 in the second period. The Coyotes answered with goals from Alex Kerfoot and Logan Cooley, but Toronto added some padding with a William Nylander empty netter with a minute to go. It has now been 39 days since the Coyotes felt what it was like to win a hockey game. That road trip continues tonight in Ottawa against the Senators. 5 o'clock pregame coverage starts at 4.30 on ESPN 620 in the Arizona app. Arizona Sports app. Uh, D-backs got a 2-1 win over the Giants in the Cactus League on Thursday, scratching out both runs in the first off of San Francisco ace Logan Webb. Ryan Nelson in the running for that fifth starter spot. Pitched well. Gave up just one run on two hits in three innings. Struck out five. Reds uh, will host the D-backs today in Goodyear. Night game, 6.05. College basketball, GCU stormed back into the win column with a 72-43 route of UTRGV. Tyon Grant Foster had 21 to lead the Lopes, who now have 25 wins on the season. They will close out their home schedule tomorrow night against Stephen F. Austin. Sixth-ranked Arizona hosting Oregon tomorrow in Tucson in a game that tips off at high noon at McHale Center. And women's basketball, Caitlin Clark of Iowa made it official. She is making herself eligible for this year's WNBA draft. She is the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. And I think my insiders are telling me she's going to be the number one overall pick. Well, (laughs) yes, yes. And it's really going to be interesting to see the effect that she has on the WNBA because have you seen the ticket prices for this weekend's games? I think the cheapest is 400 You wouldn't believe the amount of people who have told me that Caitlin Clark is their new favorite basketball player. She's got that effect. You know, it's it, yes. This is transformational in terms of what is she she's going to do. Darren Ravel said she's going to take a pay cut going to the WNBA. One of the dumbest tweets I've ever seen in my life. I mean, yeah. from base salary, she might. Well, yes, but her endorsements are just going to continue to go through the through roof. the roof. Yeah, yeah it's, don't don't worry about her pockets. Yeah, people. She, she'll be I, fine. Yeah, I, yeah, her game day checks aren't going to be what does it for her. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's no. Good, she's gonna good she's to gonna pimp it. everything from Wheaties. Yeah. Do they still sell Wheaties? Sure. They do. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure. She's also 18 points away. I had a bowl of rice away. krispies with chocolate milk last night. Did oh, you the Kellogg CEO is wow. so proud of you. Dinner, yeah. The dinner of champions. No, no doubt, bro. I felt great about myself. She's also 18 points away from Pete Maravich's record. I know. So that's wow. probably going to fall. Right. There Hence the high ticket prices yeah. for this week. Yeah. There you go. There's your splash for Friday, March 1st. Coming up, the Suns get another win over the Rockets. Pretty uninspired one, though. We'll get into some of the aspects of it next here on Bickley Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Suns win. Final score, 110-105 after Green hits that three to finish with 34 points to lead the Rockets. The Suns get 35 from Devin Booker and a big-time performance from Yusuf Nurkic. I think we're uh, we're getting confident in this building. You know, we we didn't start the season strong here, um, but I feel like we're uh, you know opponents are, are are starting to realize that they come in here and and we're going to guard guard our ass off. We're going to defend really at a, at a high level, and we're going to make shots most nights. Okay, we're going to have a great shooting night tonight. Um, but this is going to be a place where you know, the ball is going to go in a lot, and you're going to see some tough ass defense. Frank Vogel. Dropping a couple of A words in, yeah. in that sound bite. That sounded a little bit of li- little like wishful thinking to me <laughs> on a couple of different levels. Yeah, uh, John Bloom with the final call last night. Uh, I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. It's a win. That was unwatchable dreck last night. Second half was terrible. And everybody involved should be ashamed. <laughs> Second half was dreadful. And, and again, this is this is uh, one of the takeaways was here, here, here you got the Suns jumping on that team again early. Book had that great first quarter. And, and the Rockets just kept coming because the Rockets don't really fear the Suns. And the Suns had that second half. I mean, they scored, what, 64 points in the first half, 46 in the second? 46 in the second. Yeah. They got outscored in the second, third, and fourth quarters. But because of Devin Booker's mm-hmm. outburst in the first quarter, yeah. they were able to win that game. Yeah. Um, and look, I give credit to the Rockets. I don't think they're a particularly smart team. I, I don't think they're an efficient offensive team. I think they got guys in Whitmore and Jalen Green that just love to shoot the ball, and mm-hmm. sometimes they went in last night, and sometimes it didn't. But you should not... Any team that shoots 33% from the floor should not be able to, A, stay in a game, mm-hmm. or B, claw their way back into a game to a single-digit deficit under a minute to go. I don't. Yeah. I, it was the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that had to do with the the, the ugly nature of the ba- of the basketball game. I mean, there was a stretch where there was a foul on every possession, both ways. Mm-hmm. It was a free throw shooting contest, and and that's how the Rockets got back in. They actually made their free throws mm-hmm. as opposed to the Suns. But yeah, it's a win, but it well, wasn't an encouraging listen, one. I know, no. And if and if you want to project going forward, this is the first time we saw Hackenurk, right? And I, you know, and I don't know what that would have looked like had he not fouled out of the game. If that would have kept happening, well, you can only do it, I think, to the two minute that's mark. True, that's so. true. But that right. would have been about the way that they did that on three straight possessions, mm-hmm. but it only took about thirty seconds of game time. They, mm-hmm. they could have continued to do that. Uh-huh. Frank Vogel was asked about that particular uh, aspect of last night's game. Hackenurk, you worried about that? No, he's, he's a sixty-nine percent uh, free throw shooter. Um, teams are not going to hack a shack those, those percentages. Um, he was having an off, off night at the line, and they were down. So they're trying to, again, muck the game up. You know, they junked it up, made it ugly. It was an ugly game, but um, we prevailed. Yeah, yeah. see, it's all their fault. It's all their fault it was ugly. They, they mucked it up. That's how they had to do it, and it, it nearly worked. Because well, well, the Suns were mucking it up throws. themselves, too, in they, that third quarter. They, they so, won. I mean, again, uh, listen, all due respect to Frank Vogel, um, I, I, I think if, if I was going to zoom this thing out to 30,000 feet, one of the things that I, I take solace of when I watch games like last night that start off promising and that just kind of devolve into what it devolves into is that unlike um, other NBA cities, you haven't heard signs of of panic and or disgust from the main stars of this team. No. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. 
it, it, it so the fact that and all there was was that ominous report on Christmas Day, the Woj bomb on Christmas Day that said, you know, hey, uh oh, Katie's getting frustrated, and and he put that to bed real quick. And for the most part, there's been there's been nothing from either Devin Booker or Kevin Durant that would make you think they're getting a little antsy with what's going on around them. I take solace in that. But last night, I when I heard from Frank Vogel, especially from a head coach who claimed that they used that time to work on their fourth quarter offense. Uh-huh. It, that see that? Quarter offense it just sounded like a guy who's just trying to pump a little optimism into the building because yeah. that's not that's what they did last night. That's not what I wanted to see. The first quarter was. Yeah, that absolutely. was the reaction I wanted to see. Great start. And we talked about it yesterday. Wanted to see a breakout game from Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Didn't happen for Durant. Did happen for Booker. Uh, but the fourth quarter, to your point, pick five of 23 from the floor, 21 percent shooting, protecting a lead. They committed nine fouls. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over. So I guess that was a plus. But here was Frank Vogel on what went wrong in the fourth this time around. <laughs> We fouled and put him to the line the whole second half, you know, and uh, yeah, so it was tough to get a tough to get offensive rhythm. You know, obviously we got to be better than we than we showed tonight in the fourth. But credit the Rockets playing really good defense. They're a good defensive team. Um, I think we didn't play through our counters well enough when they were switching and when they were double team double team and pick and rolls. Um, but definitely got to be better there. There was a, a, a time in the game, the first quarter especially, where the Rockets weren't even pretending to play defense. No. And then to their credit, they actually did turn it up. Mm-hmm. They extended the defense way out on the floor, and the Suns had trouble with it. Mm-hmm. And they continued to have trouble with it the whole game. But it just, again, the ebbs and flows of defensive effort in the NBA. Teams oh. can turn it oh, on. no and, doubt. And teams no sh- doubt. definitely shut it off. No doubt. And and so how all of this is going to look come playoff time, I'm still... This is going to be an interesting weekend for the Suns. I'm going to say that much because uh, last night's game, you could tell, was getting chippy pretty obviously. Uh, uh-huh. you we'll know. get into that, too. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Certainly got chippy, and now they're playing these two teams again on Saturday after day off in between. And who knows what the Rockets are going to come at them with, you know, with, with the team that they've got. And then, then the Suns' real litmus test comes on Sunday. So I, I, I think you're looking now at a weekend where, buckle up, Suns fans. And again, I know I say that more than ADOT, but buckle up, Suns fans. We're all buckled. We're ready for yeah. we're ready for this wild uh-huh. ride. Let's, well, let's go. Yeah. Or as Vogel would say, Muckle up, Suns fans. Yeah. Muck it up, <laughs> Rockets. How dare you come in and muck up these nightly masterpieces we put on the basketball court. You get the muck out of here. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm... I, I'm probably last night's game did not do anything so on, on that level of one to a hundred. I don't think my number moved last night. It, just, it didn't because it was the it was the same game as we saw last Friday in Houston yeah. with a different result. <laughs> they just so exactly it. They so rarely look great. The yeah. Suns, yeah, for small stretches within games they do. But last night, even in the first half, they just could never put the Rockets away. Well, it's, Anytime they got up like 15 or 12 or something, they'd have a sloppy turnover or two, and then the Sun, or the Rockets would hit threes and get it down their, to like yeah, eight or nine. And One of their, funda- one of, one of their fundamental <laughs> foundational issues, uh, it, as it's becoming clear to everybody, are those five to six minutes in every game where they just lose focus. Yeah. And you do that in a playoff game, you're smoked. They've allowed so many teams to go on monstrous runs in second halves because they just have those five, six minutes where they're throwing the ball all over the yard, not really closing out, not really on it. Or even just kind of hindering themselves with a bad possession where right. the ball sticks, it doesn't yeah. move, and you, know, you get 20 seconds of iso ball and, mm-hmm. and a difficult shot. Mm-hmm. 
It does happen. It's still happening, and we're this far into the season. Right. But they are 11 games over 500. And That's good. Maybe, I mean, look, I, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Maybe uh, they can unleash some frustrations on the Rockets and, tomorrow And night. listen, and I, I am on record as saying all, all I want from these games against the Rockets are two victories. That's it. Yeah. So, okay. Half, halfway there. We're halfway there. Coming up, yesterday we had a great day out at D-back spring training. Had a lot of good conversations. We'll revisit some of those conversations and what's going on with the D-backs next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait to see the makeup of it and how it all shakes out. I think what stands out to me is is the experience, too. We, we got a lot of really good players, but, I mean, we picked up five guys who could all get 10 years of service time this year. Like, that's that's a cool thing, right? Like, right. five new players all at the top of their game. And, you know, they're not, they're not old guys who aren't going to be playing a lot, right? They're going to be in the fight with us every day. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to, to learn from them and, and obviously have their protection. You know, having yeah. having guys like Suarez and Jock in the lineup is, is going to change everything. Yep. Christian Walker, Diamondbacks first baseman, sat down with us yesterday at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick, our first trip to a spring training. D-backs went out and yeah. won their game they against the Giants. They got plunked on the hand. Yeah, it was a short day for, for Christian Walker, just the one at bat, unfortunately. So we'll see. Uh, we'll keep an eye so on he's that. He's okay. Uh, but he, talking about, you know, playing with a beef up lineup and when you look back really and, and you you look at it realistically I mean the Diamondbacks made a, a magical run to the World Series but it it wasn't the smoothest especially in the Phillies series and Christian Walker is is one of those guys who you know outside of you know outside of the Phillies he struggled mightily offensively in the Phillies series they were able to win that in seven games he was okay offensively the rest of the way, but that's what this Diamondbacks team was defined by a lot, not just in the postseason, the regular season, where they just couldn't string together hits or push mm-hmm. across runs. So him talking about playing with a beefed-up lineup, and yes, they did add Suarez, which shores up a hole offensively that was a big hole last right. year. Production from third base, they didn't get a ton of it. Um, Jock Peterson should help. Randall Gritchick should help. Bringing back Lourdes Goriel Jr., uh, that was a, a, a pleasant surprise. I'm really looking forward to seeing what this lineup looks like because it doesn't look like this lineup, and I, I, I know it will happen, but this lineup potentially is not as likely to be a, a platoon lineup. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can count on a lot of the same guys playing, not every day, but close to every day. A Tory baseball team? I know. I, I don't. I don't know but, about that. Where, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. But where do you see the the platoons coming? DH, righty, lefty with Gritchick and, and Peterson. I don't know. I, I yeah. Like I said, I I'm I'm not certain about that. I just know that that organizationally they're they're more of a they're more of a mix and match kind of team in my opinion. I, I and, agree. And to the chagrin of a lot of baseball fans. Yes, but they have a lot of guys that can play I, I 140 will, games. There'll be a little bit of outfield. A little yeah. bit. Yeah, guys are going to get sure days off. And, and, of course, the catcher position. You can't play Gabby Moreno 150 Not times. every day. No, certainly not. Um, here's here's what I think is very important for this baseball team because mixing and matching is good. You're also, you know, you're basically kind of speculating on who's going to have a good day based on their numbers against a particular pitcher. Um, when, when sometimes people say, no, look at who's hot in the moment because if somebody's hot in the moment, it really doesn't matter what their career stats are against that pitcher because they're in a zone, so you've got to honor that. There's a lot 
lot of ways you look at it, but the thing to me that's very important is, so we know that there's this tailwind, there's this buzz, there's, there's this momentum behind this baseball team. The casual baseball fans who jumped on board, and there's a ton of them, mm-hmm. who jumped on board the Diamondbacks bandwagon, they're going to be expecting this team to be winning series from the get-gate, from the jump. So having a having a ragged kind of get your feet on the ground kind of opening month, not a good idea this year. This year is a good idea, and it's hard because this this first month there's marquee opponents on the schedule in the first month of the season. Yes, but it's really important that the Diamondbacks just it, it don't squander what they have. Don't give people a reason to go. Oh, okay, they're back to being that team again. Yeah. Well, the 2023 team was cute, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Right. And the Diamondbacks yeah. are back. Oh, that. So they were a fluke. Uh, all right. Yeah. You know what? They only won 84 games. Maybe that wasn't legit. Now we all know it was legit. We all felt it. That's what. That's what was cool about it. When we were going through those series, it wasn't like there was a bunch of bad calls or stupid stuff that eliminated the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks thumped them, and and what they did to the Phillies. The the, the show of sturdiness that they showed against the Phillies. You know, losing the first couple games, coming back, getting back in the yep. series, going there down three two and closing it out. Nothing flukish about that. But you know, all this market gets. They're going to have to come out and I'm not saying they have to be red hot but they're going to have to be good yeah. they're going to have to not squander this momentum because it's stuff because fans they're not going to give fans casual fans here they're not going to wait to mid-july for this team to get on a hot streak no and remember last year too that schedule was was different in that it was so front-loaded with dodgers, dodgers. games yeah they got a lot of dodgers games out of the way early mm-hmm. now they do play them six times in the first two months of the season but they get a full month of baseball before they see the Dodgers for the first time. So mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for both teams to get their feet underneath them. Uh, Christian Walker, a guy who's been here for a while, he also talked about um, you know his reaction to what he called the Valley falling in love or re-falling in love with the D-backs. Yeah, I think the, the biggest feeling for me is is the authenticity of it. It's it's not faked. It's not imagined. It's, you know, that the city felt, they felt it with us last year, not that long ago, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that buzz is still in the air and, and um, you know, everything down to understanding how much the city loves, you know, loves the Diamondbacks where walking around town, right? People, they're subtle, but people know you they, they thank you they they try to pick up your tab it's it's um it's a it's a very humbling cool experience and, yeah. and it's nice it's humbling and cool but it's mm-hmm. got to be uncomfortable when when a multi-million dollar athlete has a a regular person from the community trying to pick up their tab. <laughs> but it, it, it does one of the to, weird dynamics it, of being a rich and famous person. People want to buy you stuff. Yeah. I've, I've never quite yeah. understood it. The but richer whatever. you are, the more free stuff yeah, you get. It's crazy. <laughs> it's really crazy. Um, we talked to Mike Hazen, too, and it's always a good conversation. And I think the questions that you asked, Mike, really kind of illustrated the life of a general manager. Like, he's he's not comfortable with anything. No. He talked about his, you mentioned a list of concerns, and he mentioned that it's a thousand long. <laughs> and he's, oh, he's unsettled about he's, everything. It's and part, I, it's part I of, like that about it. It's him. part of the reason people love him. Yes. It, it's it, People in the Diamondbacks will tell you, you just you just don't want to watch a game with him. He's just, he's just a ball of nerves, right? <laughs> he's you out of your routine. Just not comfortable. <laughs> not quite 
Nah. Yeah, it also came up about the kind that, of guy that worries about the fact that he has nothing to worry about. Yes, that, that's you, right. That's next level. What's wrong, Mike? Well, what's wrong is that there's nothing wrong. wrong so <laughs> something must really be terribly wrong. And he kind of talked about that with the bullpen. Didn't have to touch the bullpen, make much adjustment to it this year, which is not par for the course in Mike Hazen's tenure as the D-backs general manager. A little unsettling, honestly. I mean, I, for eight years, I've sit here, sat here and said the biggest thing we've had to address in the offseason is the bullpen. Um, and, and unfortunately with the bullpen, usually by April 20th, I'm readdressing the bullpen again, just like every other team is. It's, it's, it's just a very complicated ecosystem out there, you know, the amount we have to use them, how many days off we can get them. I, it's a younger bullpen, which I think is good from a durability standpoint. I think they're all healthy. I think we have to get them up and running. We'll see how it goes. We have a lot of good young arms that are going to go into that bullpen during the season, which I feel good about. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of arms in AA and AAA that that throw really hard. They have good secondary stuff. You never know where any of these guys come from. I think so. The second line of defense is in a spot where I feel pretty good about if, if, if the guys take on some injuries in the first. But hopefully that becomes a strength for us in the beginning part of the season. You can't go anywhere without your bullpen. It, it, it's the most frustrating <laughs> and challenging part of what we do, I think. Um, but we feel really good about the way they finished up. They carried us through the playoffs yeah. last year. Um, Something uh, else that has to do with the pitching staff is one of the storylines that everybody's watching is who's this fifth starter going to be. The competition is going on, and the guys that are vying for that, they're all pitching pretty well right now. Tommy Henry's been really good. Ryan Nelson was good. Yep. They've got other options down there. So that competition is really pushing those guys. Well, and that's good because you're going to need more than five. You know, at yes. some point in time, there's going to be additional starters that you need. So the more the merrier, in my, in my opinion. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, I, 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 I remain very optimistic about this team. I, I think that, um, well, I think a lot of things. But I do think the idea of starting first, the idea of kind of getting these new guys, the new guys that they brought in and Getting some pop to the lineup, I think, is something that even though we look at that hole in the starting rotation, that was also something that they were able to overcome in the postseason that I'm not sure they should have been able to overcome. And that is just because you look at the amount of home runs they hit in the postseason. The number's pretty big, probably more so than and then they should have given the lineups. They tried sure. it out there. Yeah. So I, I think adding pop to the lineup is a big deal. Uh, I do. I do agree with Mike Hazen that they do have a lot of real power arms that might be kind of bullpen candidates this year that you know guys you don't even know about yet yes but that was something also that was lacking from this organization for many years like the first uh, half of Mike Hazen's uh, uh, tenure yeah. and they were aware of it but they've also been cognizant of it and, and you know they've addressed it yep and Justin Martinez yep. last year mm-hmm. do you remember the the eye-popping stuff he put out there throwing 103 104 I mean they haven't had that at all and now they've got a couple guys that can do that kind of stuff uh coming up next some interesting news this morning from Indianapolis and in the NFL Combine. We'll tell you what it has, uh, who it has to do with, and how it could affect the Cardinals. Next, Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Another elite, elite talent. Uh, had a couple of Ohio State games this last year, and... 
I'm sitting up in their in their meeting room. Um, when you meet with the coaches and players before a Buckeye game, you do it in their kitchen cafeteria area, which sits right above and looks out to their indoor facility. And I was asking their SID, I said, what is that thing out there? I mean, I've seen jugs machines, but what in the world is that? <laughs> and the SID said, well, that is a um, like a jugs machine, but Marvin Jr. Um, owns part of it. He's part developer and owner of the company that is producing these these throwing jug machines. <laughs> I was like, what? Are you kidding me? It's Brock Ewart who joined uh, Wolf and Luke yesterday talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. as the uh, NFL Combine continues. Uh, an interesting development this morning. We uh, Earlier in the week... Remember the story came out, Bick, that Marvin Harrison Jr. was skipping Indianapolis yeah. completely. Mm-hmm. That was then uh, altered. That report was altered by Albert Breer, who then said he's not going to participate. He's still going to concentrate on training for football, but he'll go to Indianapolis for everything else. But he was supposed to speak to the media this morning in Indianapolis. Right. And according to all the reports, he's not there. So, and there's not any details about right, it. Right, That which is very, very strange because, again, it, it's it, you wonder what that's all about, right? It's. I. I think the bigger story to come out of the combine is Caleb Williams refusing to do a medical. Caleb Williams refusing to do the medical is very interesting. Yeah, and there was also the Athletic did a long piece on Caleb Williams, and it painted a picture of just difficulty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's just so much smoke around this guy, and so much of it has to do with his father. Like, his father is more, it seems like, more interested in changing the way business is done in the NFL and rules that are in place to help his son develop, but... It's just—it's exhaust. It's got to be exhausting for the team. You got to wonder. You've got to wonder what is the motivation here? Because three days ago, a report came up that Caleb Williams' father is talking about wanting to have a piece of ownership in the NFL team that Caleb Williams plays for. Never heard that one before. That's no. a new one. All right. And now the fact that Caleb Williams does not want to submit to a medical examination—that to me, there's a logical conclusion to that, and that is you're trying to spook the Bears into not taking you. You're, you're trying to raise. So many red flags that the, uh, while wink, wink with the commanders, look, I'm going to play this game. Don't pay any attention to any of this. I'm doing this because I want to be drafted by you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cliff? Gotcha. And and so the Bears are probably dumb enough to fall for it. But either way, if a, <laughs> but, but if a kid is going to go to that extent, then you've got to really just kind of wonder, is this is this the kind of guy you want to build a football team around? I I don't know what to make of it. I no, really don't. And I, I've, I've said for the longest time, these kids who come into the NFL trying to dictate their terms and trying to tell the NFL what's what, almost every last one of them gets a rude awakening. There are exceptions. Deion Sanders, right? Who uh, who famously, you know the old story of Deion Sanders at the Combine. I heard this again a couple days ago. Deion Sanders ran the 40-yard dash at his Combine, went right into the tunnel, into a limousine, to the airport. I'm out of here. See ya. I'm spending, I'm spending as little of time in Indianapolis as I need to. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. And then, then there were guys like teams with like the 8th, ninth, and 10th pick in the draft. Hey, D, can we schedule a sit-down interview with you? Oh, wait, what's your pick again? Oh, we're at number 11. Nope, waste of my time. So what do you even tell him? He was right. So it, it, there are some there are some players who can kind of dictate their terms, but when you start playing that game, when you start trying to um, judge NFL franchises on whether they're worthy enough for your talents and you are a college player, good luck with that.
good luck with that because you're going to come into the league and not only you're going to have every fire-breathing defensive player down your neck. Yes. Trying to teach you what's what. All right, let's put yourself in the Chicago Bears shoes. Ryan Pohl's shoes. You're still at number one. There's a story coming out that it's possible the Bears could trade the trade Justin Fields and the number one pick. Move on from both <laughs> options. That would be very Bears-like. I really, what are you going to do? Who's playing quarterback? Kirk Cousins, you signing him? Steve, I don't know. Steve Fuller? Steve Fuller? <laughs> How many times have we gone down this dueling Gambo's road of old, bad Bears, Bears quarterbacks? quarterbacks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're... Well, they, Caleb Haney? Yeah, they become a cliche because of that. But Russell, what do you... I mean, Russell Wilson. It is... The situation being concocted by Caleb Williams and his family and his camp, which doesn't include an agent, by the way, mm-hmm. is it too difficult and murky now for you to go with a clear conscience as the Chicago Bears general manager and draft him at number one? And then you have to weigh it. He's a good player. There's some people that aren't sold on Caleb Williams as a pro prospect. I don't know if you heard. Merrill mm-hmm. Hodge has not been in the public eye a lot. He used to be a very prominent NFL analyst on ESPN. Right. But I saw him sitting down for a podcast, and he said the phrase, Caleb Williams is not special. Okay, I, I don't know about that. I, I Didn't he dog Drake Mays, too? Uh, I believe he did. He just doesn't like anyone. <laughs> Maybe not. His knot is too big in his tie. Uh, well, Mer- Merrill's had a lot of concussion issues in his career. I, so yes. I'm, just, I'm, I'm real careful about... Him and and what his analysis is rooted in, yes. if you will. Listen to this, Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, giving his preference on the quarterback position. A guy who mm-hmm. played the position in the league says he prefers Jaden Daniels to Caleb Williams. Why? What do you think is transferable to the NFL to the next level? Number one, who has the best ball placement versus man coverage? When you watch the tape, what guy sees man coverage and throws it the best versus tight? That's Jaden Daniels. Number two, it's not who creates the most explosive plays. What does it look like when they throw the ball downfield? You have to watch that because guys could be butt naked wide open. Caleb had a lot of wide open guys downfield because he would create so much. Jaden Daniels was best at that. And then who got who is like the, the, the calmest in the pocket? Jaden Daniels was the best at that. Yeah, and then he had more uh, thoughts on Jaden Daniels and just the throwing motion. When I watched Jaden throw, I said this two months ago, when you watch the young man throw, the throwing motion is C.J. Stroud-like. Watch his left arm stay close to his chest. He makes a very small and tight C motion. That's repeatable. That's consistent. Some of the throws that he makes versus tight coverage, the other two, Caleb and Drake made, they just don't make now those guys are tremendously talented but I, I go back to last year who was the best passer coming out I thought Bryce was the best player like playmaker who was the best passer that was CJ Jaden's the best passer hmm. wow the silly season has begun Yo, I, I had the same thought yeah if Jaden Daniels is the best passer he's also the best runner so why isn't he the obvious number one pick then because he might weigh 160 pounds. I guess that's it. It's 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 really you look at him and you say, is this RG three? Is this guy going to get broken in a half? How sustainable is it? Same thing with JJ McCarthy. You look at him, JJ McCarthy, tall kid. His arms are sticks. Yeah, 
And, and, and I'm real curious to see what Jaden Daniels' weight is at the uh-huh. combine when he yeah. steps on that scale. So, so now, now to bring it full circle with Marvin Harrison Jr. If you're Marvin Harrison Jr., um, it, it, there's always been this longtime sort of credo that if if you're not willing to sit down with these teams and be interviewed by them, these are automatic red flags. There are no red flags in Marvin Harrison Jr.'s career. Every coach and teammates talk about mm-hmm. how he's an ideal this, that, and the third. Okay, maybe maybe this is a thing where the Cardinals have communicated to him. You're going to be our guy. But this you're, was you're, not, so don't bother coming to Indy. You're going to be our guy. Maybe, this was not him skipping interviews, though. This was a scheduled press conference mm-hmm. that, as of... 15 minutes ago, he was supposed he did, to be at, right. and then nobody knows what's going on. Well, the question, did he ever get on that plane and go to Indianapolis? And if he didn't, why not? Well, if you're a kid like Marvin Harrison Jr., would you would you suddenly insert the first red flag of your career before the draft? Would you really do that unless you unless you had something? Look, you you can come here if you want, man, but we're taking you. It might not even be an assurance from the Cardinals. He knows he's not going lower than four. Regardless of what That's the, the worst case like. scenario, yeah, right. worst case scenario. Right. So, so maybe he and so, but what about all the people? Oh, the wide receivers—they're all together. Pick your flavor. Now they're doing it with the quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and it's going <laughs> to change. Is, it it's going to fluctuate every year. so much in the next seven right. weeks too. And we all believe this garbage. <laughs> we do. It happens every year. <laughs> Coming up next, more wait, one last second. Yeah. We have gone from a space where Caleb Williams, undisputed number one overall, Marvin Harrison Jr., number one wide receiver, undisputed, and now it's all a big. Mystery. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Boy, are we idiots. Wait, what is that? What is that hook in your mouth right yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> Reel it in. Uh, coming up next, uh, we'll have more on the Suns' victory over the Houston Rockets through Vinny's view. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.